God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Thank you, Marlene and Sharon. Thank you all for a special time of prayer. Prayer is what we need to be doing more of. Prayer is what we need to be serious about. Praying for one another. Praying for protection. Praying for healing. Praying for encouragement. Um... God, I told you this when we started this sermon series, God knew what He was doing, but He always does when He led me to preach through the book of Job. Because any preacher will tell you they don't want to preach through the book of Job. And any, uh, any Sunday school teacher that has had the privilege of leading a study through Job, it's tough, right? It's difficult. It, uh, you almost feel like it's the never-ending story. Y'all remember that terrible movie? Um, but listen, God knew what He was doing, and He knew what we needed to hear, and He knew what we needed to be guided by through the Holy Spirit to get us through trials, to get us through struggles. And God's got this, and so let's just remember to do our part, our role in, in this in God's kingdom is to be a prayer warrior and to be very diligent uh, and very serious about prayer. I, I think we just use prayer flippantly. I think we tell one another, I'll pray for you. Or we hear about something and we say, okay, I'll pray for that. Just stop what you're doing right then and go to God the Father and on behalf of that need, on behalf of that person. Instead of complaining, try praying. Instead of gossiping, try praying. I mean, it's amazing what can happen Amen. when we as the people of the Lord will really get serious about praying. Well... We're going to get back into the book of Job. We're in Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. And where we are today in Job chapter 23 is probably something that everyone in here, regardless of whether you were raised in church or not in church, whether you've been a Christian for a year or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, I believe everybody can relate to what Job expresses in Job chapter 23. Uh, I want you to think about this. Uh, and, and throughout your life, okay, if you've been a Christian one year or if you've been the Christian for 50 years, there's probably been times where you felt a little distant from God. There's probably been times in your Christian walk where you didn't have the fire of revival going on. There's probably been times in your life where you felt like you had drifted from God. And I need you to hear me when I tell you this as a as a pastor, as somebody who's been to seminary, unfortunately, uh, someone who has a master's degree from seminary, that feeling of drifting and that feeling of distance is natural. You do not need to beat yourself up about it. You do not need to think you're less of a Christian because at some point you felt distant or you felt uh, like you had drifted from God. That is natural. The, the ebb and flow of life causes there to be times where you feel distant or times where you feel like you've drifted. And I want you to know that everyone experiences that at different levels. John the Baptist, who went from being knee-deep in the Jordan River, telling people to be baptized for repentance, and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world as he looked at Jesus, he went from being that passionate, that zealot, and telling people to get baptized... To then when he's in a prison, 
And he's just been sitting there day after day, night after night, in the lonely, dark prison. You know what he said? He sent two messengers. And he said, go and ask Jesus if he's the one, or should we be looking for another? John the Baptist. So you're in good company. If you've ever drifted, if you've ever felt distant, you're in good company. It's natural, okay? So give your... Give yourself some slack. Cut yourself some slack. It's okay if you have felt that distance or you have drifted. But let me tell you this. Sometimes you may not know how to get back to where you once were. You know, you came out of a revival or a tent meeting, and man, you were high on Jesus. Hello, somebody. You, you, were, you were pumped. You were passionate. Uh, and, and you were doing that quiet time, and you were listening to K-Love or Air One, and you, man, you just, mm, you were there. Oh. And, and now as time got away from that tent, as time passed from that camp meeting or that revival or whatever that experience was for you, as time went on, you wondered, well, how do I get back there? Do I have to go back to the tent? Do I have to go back to the camp meeting? Do I have to go back to the concert? Well, you may not know how to get back there, but do you know the number one reason why people stay distant is because they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to put in the work to then feel that closeness to God. Did you know a word that we use for being a follower of Christ is disciple, but did you know it has the same etymology as the word discipline? It takes discipline to be a disciple. It takes work. And I know that's a four-letter word for a lot of people. Work? Man, no one told me that. But the discipline that is required to stay close. And here's the promise. You ready? Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be open. But did you notice that everything I just said requires effort on your part? <laughs> what? Seek? I gotta seek. I gotta knock. I gotta draw near. Ugh. I want the easy button to this. There's no easy button. It's only in commercials. Job says, in Job chapter 23, you can hear his plea, you can hear his cry. In fact, let's, let's read a little bit in Job chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. Uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word from Job chapter 23. Job answered, Today also my complaint is bitter, his hand is heavy despite my groaning. If only I knew how to find him. If only I knew how to find him so that I could go to his throne, I would plead my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn how he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he persecute me forcefully? No. He will certainly pay attention to me. Then an upright man could reason with him, and I would escape from my judge forever. If I go east, he is not there. If I go west, I cannot perceive him. When he's at work to the north, I cannot see him. When he turns to the south, I cannot find him. Yet he knows the way I have taken. When he has tested me, when he has tested me, when he has tested me, I will emerge 
as pure gold. My feet have followed in his tracks. I have kept to his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. But he is unchangeable. Who can oppose him? He does what he desires. He will certainly accomplish what he has decreed for me. And he has many more things like these in mind. Therefore, I am terrified in his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me, yet I am not destroyed by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today. You have already moved in this service. Your Spirit is here for the promises where two or more gather together. There I am in the midst. So thank you for your presence. Most of all, thank you for your promises that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And yet, time after time, God, we doubt, we fear, we get overwhelmed, we have anxiety. We carry burdens we were never meant to carry. Today, God, reveal to us the truths in Job chapter 23 that we would apply them to our lives. That, God, you would reveal truth where there has been lies. That you would, God, reveal peace where there has been chaos. And that God, once again, you would just show us who you are and what you are. And forgive us of ever doubting that you could fix something or work through something. We love you. And we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Job expresses here that he cannot find God, that when he searches for him, he... He can't find him, and it echoes something that Jesus said on the cross that you will remember. Jesus cried out from that cross in that moment of desperation when he was facing excruciating pain. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama la sabbathani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We hear the echo of that. In Job's plea that, that I, I can't find him. And there may be times in your distance and there may be times where you've drifted where you just don't sense him like you once did. But the thing I need you to understand that I've said before is you're the one that has moved, not God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have to do this thing that we don't like to do. We have to do some self-reflection. We have to look in. Because the problem's not with God. The problem is you've drifted, you've moved, you've changed. You quit doing the quiet time. You quit praying like you used to. Uh, you, quit, you quit praising Him and instead replace those praises with complaints. And you start focusing on the darkness instead of the light. And there's things that happen. I understand that. There's, there's times where you just you get punched and you get an uppercut or a body blow. And it hurts, right? Yeah, it hurts. Job cried out, and you can hear the desperation in his voice, and maybe it reminds you of a prayer that you just prayed or something that you just felt when you were there in the bottom. And you cried out. But Job was confident. I want you to pay attention to this. He was confident that if he could just get an audience with God, then he would be vindicated. His friends, his so-called friends, the criticism that they poured out on him would be refuted. 
Job would stand in his righteousness before God because he knew, I, I just need an audience with God and I'll be vindicated, I'll be redeemed. When Job said that after all this, after all that I've faced, all that I've, I'll come out as pure gold. I hope and pray that you sense the hope that Job still had regardless of what he had gone through. Regardless of the family that he had lost, the possessions that he had lost, the health, the good health that he had lost, all of that he still knew, I'll come out of this on the other side better. You see, if you can hang on to that, when you go through the trial, when you go through the difficulty, if you can just know that on the other side, I don't know how long it'll be, I don't know when I'll get through this, but if I come out the other side, I'll be a better person, and God knows this because he's in control, and he sees things I can't see, and he knows things I don't know. Job knew, even as difficult as the process is, that being refined, being put through that refinery would burn off those impurities and he would come out the other side a better person. The process of refining, the burning off of the impurities is painful, by the way. It's hot. <laughs> it's a little warm in here today, by the way. But that process is hot. I know Lloyd's happy. He thinks it's great. Uh, that, the, process, the process of the refinery is not pleasurable. It's painful. <clears throat> Nobody, nobody wants to go through the refinery. It's hot. Nobody wants to face the, the agony and the heat of a refinery. But what if I told you that's the only way that something can come out gold? That's the only way that something can be refined is to go through the heat, to go through the furnace, and all that's in you that's junk, that's dross, will be burned off. Mm. And so what if you know, you like the finished product. We mentioned this last week. You love the finished product of gold and silver. Some of you are wearing it today. I'm wearing a Folex. It's a fake Rolex. <laughs> Some of you like silver and you like gold. You like the finished product, though. If you had to be that gold that had to be burnt and brought through that refinery and brought through that process... You know, they, also, they say, we may eat sausage, but we don't want to see it being made. Hello, somebody. <laughs> well, gold, gold suffers. Gold goes through that process, but only because of the refinery does it come out pure. It's painful. It's not pleasurable, but it's worth it. David Wilkerson, I've been reading a lot of him lately. He points out that during the trials of life, when you go through the trial, listen to me. When you go through the trial... You need to know this. Doubt, your doubts when you go through the trial are painful to God. Doubts are painful to God and poisonous to you. When you go through the trial and you have those doubts, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Because after all that He's done for you and in you and through you, and yet you still doubt Him. You still question. After all the promises you've read from the Word of God, after all the times you've studied, after all the Sunday school, Sunday school classes you've sat in, or the stories and testimonies you've heard of God showing up and God showing out, and miracle after miracle, and then you go through a trial and you're like, hmm, I don't know about this. I don't feel God. 
Doubts when we go when we go through trials, doubts are painful to God. But listen to me, they're poisonous to you. And I know what you're thinking. <coughs> we think that just a just a little bit, you know, just a little bit of something's not gonna hurt you. The other day then, pat down, this guy had weed in his pocket. And so his first story was, those aren't my pants. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> They're on your legs. <laughs> and then his second story was, well, it's just a little weed. Just a little weed. How about just a little cancer? How about just a little heart attack? How about just a little... So when people go through those trials and they have those little doubts, they don't realize the snowball effect of their thinking. That little snowball just started off as an accumulation of a few snowflakes. You can make a little snowball out of it and hit somebody that you don't like. But that same snowball, as it builds up and it rolls down a mountain, it creates an avalanche. Before you know it, those doubts have, have started creating power and energy. And you're, so, you're in this negative pit and all you have is this doubt. It's poisonous to you. It's painful to the Holy Spirit, but it's poisonous to you. And it can kill you over time. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So how do we deal with that, Brother Chad? How did Job deal with that? He, he sounds pretty, pretty pessimistic, Brother Chad. But if you'll notice, for everything that he says, there's always that hope. That if I could just see God, if I could just be with God, He will redeem me. I know that my living Redeemer is alive. I know my Redeemer lives. Job hung on to that. You've got to, you got to make sure that with every trial that you go through, that all your questions, it's okay to question. It's okay to, to dig deep. God wants you to develop that faith. But you've got to make sure you've got to take captive of every thought before that negativity, before that doubt just starts creeping in and overwhelming you. This morning when me and the deacons were in my office, it was a little mouse, I'll admit that. <laughs> but these boots went straight up. <laughs> you can keep your feet on the ground. If, I, if he comes right here, I'm going to be up on that seat. <laughs> Facebook Live is going to be like, that's Beulah Land Pentecostal Church. <laughs> to you, it may just be a little mouse. To me, it's the bubonic plague. <laughs> to me, it's a disease. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a rodent infestation of something. And I just have this weird phobia. Somehow he's going to get in my pants. <laughs> See? Keep your shoes up. Keep your shoes up. <laughs> James, the half-brother of Jesus, don't forget this, he told Christians, Count it or consider it pure joy when you face various trials. And everybody reads that and goes, easy for you to say. How do I consider it? How do I count it pure joy? Well, I think I'm going to help you connect the dots today better than I have in the past. You ready? Ron Dunn, the evangelist, some of y'all remember, loved Ron Dunn. His, his mannerisms, uh, his testimony... He said this, to be comforted, you have to be afflicted. I thought, what? To be comforted, 
You have to be afflicted. You see the promise in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, we want the comfort, but we don't want the process. We don't want to mourn. We don't want the, the trial. We, we, we want the comfort, but we sure don't want to be afflicted. Oh, but it's the affliction that makes you appreciate the comfort. It's the trial that makes you appreciate the truth and the testimony. It is that experience, as painful as it is, that is the refinery, that is the process. Yes, it's painful, but that's what gets you to the other side. Right. Not only that, but you ready? The reason why James said count it all joy when you face various trials. Did you know this? You have to be chosen to go through a trial. You have to be chosen to go through a trial. Let me explain. Job was minding his own business. And God chose Job. He said, my servant Job is so special. I've chosen him for this testing. Job was chosen. Chosen by God. It was God who brought up Job, not the enemy. So when you face a trial, count it all joy because you've been chosen. God saw you and saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. And he said, I've chosen you to face this because I know what this is going to do. I know what this is going to reveal. I know what this is going to help with. I know what this is going to develop. I have chosen you. So the next time you face this, instead of going, why me? Go, oh, it's me this time. <laughs> why me, Lord? Chosen. God chose Job. And if you're facing a trial, God saw something in you. And he said, consider my servant. Fill in the blank with your name. Consider my servant, fill in your name. He saw something in you and he chose you. So that's why James said, consider it joy when you face various trials because you've been chosen. God saw something in you. Only the special ones are chosen to go through the trial. By the way, do any of you like to, to go on a walk? You like to go walk trails and that kind of stuff? Some of you are nodding your head. Others are yours. Mm. <laughs> Not my thing. Well, have you ever noticed? <laughs> have you ever noticed that a trial and a trail is just one letter reversed? Mm. So next time you think you're going through a trial, think of it as a trail. And what is a trail? A journey. And you don't always know what's up ahead. Even if you've walked that same trail in Arkansas or Oklahoma or Arthur Ray T, wherever you walk your trails. <laughs> Even if you've walked the trail, something could be different on that path ahead. So the next time you're facing that trial, think of it as a trail. I love this quote. 
And into the forest I go to lose my mind and find my soul. I got away a couple of weeks ago and didn't tell anybody where I was going or what I was doing. And I was able to to lose my mind but find my soul. So when you're on a trail, you think about what's up ahead, you think about what you're seeing, and you look and you appreciate nature and you enjoy God's creation when you're on a trail. If you've never gone on a trail or you've never gone walking, it's really amazing what God will do. I There's been times where I was walking with Presley and, um, and just a random thought, just random thought came up. I thought about my mama and all of a sudden a cardinal flew right in front of me and Presley. I said, Presley, did you see that? She said, no, no, we talk. She said, see what, Daddy? I said, you didn't see, you didn't see that cardinal? You should appreciate the birds, the colors, the changing of the seasons. I'm going to advise some of you. I know, I know y'all know how I feel about Facebook. Uh, I, I'm going to advise some of you to, to get off of Facebook and go walking. I'm going to advise some of you to get out in creation and enjoy. Larry and I were just talking about the prayer garden. We got a we got an upcoming ministry in that prayer garden that we're going to work on and some things we're going to do to give you an opportunity to go up there and enjoy it and pray. But the next time you're going through a trial, just think of it as walking a trail. Enjoy what's, what you're seeing. What can I learn from this trail? What can I experience? What can I sense? What can I see? What can I learn? What's just around the bend? Well, I'll tell you this. Regardless of what's up ahead on your trail, If you know Jesus Christ, then this is what I can tell you, and I can tell you with 100% assurance, 100%, as Justin Wilson used to say, I guarantee. If you have Jesus in your heart, then here's what's up ahead in the bend. You may not see it. You may not know it. But God's there. Because He said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for speaking to us through your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Word. I pray today, God, that if there's someone here that doesn't have that personal relationship with Jesus, they're walking a a trail and they don't know what's up ahead, they don't know what's all around them, and unfortunately, the world's not going to help them. Unfortunately, when they trip on this trail, the, the world's not there to help. The world's there to mock, the world's there to make fun. The world's even there to create other pitfalls and other obstacles. And so, God, if they've been looking to the world to fill a God-shaped hole, they've been looking in all the wrong places. I pray today, God, that you would reveal to them that only through a relationship with Jesus Christ can they walk this journey we call life. Only through Jesus can we get through this thing. So I pray for that person to turn away from sin and self and turn to Jesus. 
They don't have to know everything. It doesn't have to make sense. They don't even have to be able to explain creation or anything. They just need to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need to be saved. I invite you into my heart. I want to live for you. If that's you this morning, we want you to nail that down and make sure that you know what salvation is. I'll be standing down here. Brother Larry will be down here. We'll talk to you about salvation, rededication, baptism, joining the church, whatever you need. You may have a prayer need that you just need to, to talk to someone about or you have questions. Please don't waste this opportunity. We invite you to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? So, yeah.